Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next installment of the Magic Beans podcast Evergreen series. My name is Chewy, and I am flying solo with a little bit of a controversial topic. Today, we are going to to talk about net decking and, you know, the connotations of that word, uh, a bit of the history of that word, and my opinion on what we should do with that term and and the connotations associated with it. So I'm going to share a little bit of my opinion and some facts as well that uh, inform that opinion as well as some of my experiences. So feel free to uh, join our Discord and enter in the discussion if you agree or, or disagree or on some or all of the points. Absolutely love to have you come in and have that chat with us in our Discord. You can also join in the Magic Bean uh, Magic Beans events uh, while you're there and enjoy all of the sweet prizes that we have thanks to our sponsor, which is the fine folk at Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. They are a Facebook auction group. They sell physical magic cards with nightly auctions, premium auctions on the weekends, and you can get a sweet token. So one of the things that Josh and Pat's have done really well over the history is giveaway tokens as part of the auction wins. It's just like sweet cream on top. And the winner of the Magic Beans Invitational Series uh, got to design a token. And on the back of the token, our Magic Beans logo shares a bit of real estate with the Josh and Pat's logo. So check them out. And when you do win an auction, please tell them that the beans sent you. All right, net decking. So anybody who spent any time on the internet uh, talking about magic, be that, you know, Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, forums, discords, whatever it might be. You don't have to go too far to find people complaining about net decking. And, you know, the, the comments often cite, you know, people lacking originality and some people, and I, I hope these people are in the minority, but they accuse people that net deck, uh, of lacking certain skills or abilities if they choose to play a deck that's had previous success so i want to tonight today uh whatever time of the day you're listening to this i would like to explore the history of net decking where that term's come from and how it's evolved over the last like 15 plus years maybe up to 20 years i'm I'm not quite sure how long the term's been around but uh well over 15 years and as i said yeah i'm going to share some facts based on my experience and i was around when net decking kind of joined the the vocabulary uh, of magic players in sort of the start of my magic journey in 2003-2004 so yeah so let's dive into the history let's understand you know where this term originated from uh, what its original meaning was and then we'll have a look at you know how that's changed and how we feel about it today so first off facts all major tournaments and the decks in them have been documented from day one, like from 1993. Whenever there was a magic tournament or an article about magic, and back then it was in Scry magazine, you know, pre-internet days, decks were published. People could find a, a publication and go, okay, I, I, I get it, Necropotence, uh, Dark Ritual, or whatever the, the thing was at the time. And, you know, people were talking about magic and, and sharing information and innovations. So... Uh, the standings have always been, you know, published and dissem- disseminated really, really quickly to magic players by whatever means nece- uh, was available at the time, you know, be that 
through the aforementioned Scry magazine or through the uh, through the internet. So there's never been an age in Magic's history where like the winningest decks weren't public knowledge and shared. You know, it was in Wizards' best interest to share those decks because they're trying to sell the product, right? So from day one, decks have been shared. Every deck is a net deck. Full set content was always available as well. And for those old boomers like me, you may remember the massive encyclopedias of all of the magic cards that would come out every couple of years with updates and like full color scans and even discussions about some of the cards and, you know, why they were good. So, you know, there was always these publications. Then around 2005, uh, the advent of online content creation and event coverage started. And we had uh, a, a bit of a boom. Was, was, this was one of the booms of magic that I was around for. I wasn't around in the early, early days, but yeah, around that 2005 Mark, we had, yeah, a massive, massive, um, spike in, you know, people coming to the game and, and playing competitively. And we had, we had states, state championships. We had regional championships, obviously nationals, pro tour qualifiers. And, uh, well, a moment of silence to remember the glory that was the pro tour. And at every level, decks were published on various websites. Uh, we didn't have the, accessibility of of social media quite yet but there was uh, dedicated magic websites and internet forums uh one of those dedicated sites and one of the ones that i got a lot of uh information knowledge from in my early days was star city games it was really blowing up had in-depth articles deck techs even like draft walkthroughs and stuff from the likes of cedric phillips jerry thompson uh names that are you know familiar to magic players even today they were very good back in the day as well and, you know, just through uh, these decks being published on these various media, a large percentage of the decks were adopted by the player base and they took them to their local FNM. And this was the first iteration of net decking. This was the first time I'd heard the term. And, you know, I was I was playing decks that I'd uh, seen other people in, in my store play or that I'd, you know, recognized uh, a synergy in a, in a set more on that later and uh, or a pre-con that i'd updated right so that's that's how i was playing magic in my very early days and then yeah i remember hearing the term net deck for the first time uh, at a saturday morning fnm uh, which was run at card heaven back in the day and it was really really interesting uh, especially to look back on now because if you're bringing one of the decks to your local game store uh, that you'd found on the internet, it might have been packing, you know, four main deck shatters plus other artifact removal. And, um, because Arcbound Ravager was everywhere, right? It was, it was dominating standard at the time. And there was issues, uh, with doing that because at my local game store, there wasn't very much affinity played collectively. Uh, and I don't know whether this was a, a, a decision where that involved a discussion or just a collective uh agreement silent agreement that affinity was pretty toxic and no one wanted to play it and if you brought affinity you were called a net decker and it was a sledge because you just copied a deck without thinking about what you were playing against uh so this was a term used to troll players who had spent for the time at that time big money on a deck that lost to a meta that uh, you know they weren't designed to perform in and that's a point that we'll come back to as well so hold on to that just for a second Losing in a meta they were not designed to perform in. That is a really important point 
Uh, it's a really important point in deck evaluation, but it's a really important point to what I'm talking about here. So, so circa 2005, mid, mid 2000s, let's just say mid 2000s, the term net deck entered into our vocabulary as magic players. A net deck was someone who didn't pay attention to their local scene and was punished for it. They were ridiculed for it. And honestly, that was pretty toxic by the players who were ridiculing because the person just wanted to play a good deck, didn't know what to play. And, you know, they were ridiculed by this by their peers that was pretty bad but yeah a net decker was somebody who just copied a deck didn't adjust it for any reason uh just copied the 75 cards sleeved it up rocked up to a tournament and you know were usually punished for not adapting to their local scene of course the internet's come a long way since the mid-2000s and uh, a massive uplift in Magic Online tournaments, you know, with the advent of leagues in Magic Online, uh, online PTQs, premier events. And in more recent years, obviously the big one is, is MTG Arena. And it's just seen an absolute explosion, uh, of cross magic, right? And that means that there is so much information out there for your average Magic player. You don't need to pay for, you know, Scry Magazine or a Star City, uh, subscription or be a member of some obscure, dedicated magic forum. This has all been replaced with Reddit, regular Watsy deck dumps, although they are a little curated. Uh, there's event coverage that includes deck lists. Winning decks are discussed by countless content creators or on a huge variety of platforms. And we've also got client add-ons like Untapped, right? Like there's literally never been more information out there. And when you add all that up, it's really important to consider that just via sheer volume there are just there's so much more magic on all of these platforms that are that are played than there ever has been so the information is out there so much faster and because there's so many decks that are played uh across arena uh magic online and even things like spell table uh, means that geography is no longer a boundary where niche metagames can cultivate right so it's not about my local scene or the North American or the Japanese or the Australian meta, European meta, right? It's, you know, you log into Arena and you play a, a game on ladder. You don't know what country. There could be somebody next door. Or it could be someone on the other side of the world that you're playing in. So that's pretty sweet. And look, local game store metas certainly do exist and they can be really fun with, you know, local rivalries and banter. Uh, but with the just sheer flow of information, players are starting to see each other rather than the decks as the opposition which is often more correct and an acknowledgement of skills always a good thing as well so yeah it's uh so decks arrive at their final form faster through all of this because there's just a sheer volume of magic played especially in comparison to other other formats where you know things were always still being discovered in today's magic we're arriving at that point a lot faster and you know what that means is because things are happening so quickly and evolving so quickly the most efficient thing to do if you want to play competitive is just do some research and find what you think is the quote-unquote best deck and you know everything that i've mentioned and playing what you believe is the best deck does not always mean that the you know format will arrive at that point and stay there with all of those minds working together and and the volume of games being played all over the world means that there's constant innovation and there's just this turning wheel of uh, of, of that innovation of that that cycle and churn where you know decks rise and fall in in popularity and, and power so copying one of those decks net decking uh, doesn't always mean that you, you're going to win uh, because 
you know, your opponents can play good cards and, and they can change their decks. And yeah, it's a, it's a very similar thing to taking a deck in 2005 off the internet, rocking up if you're LGS, uh, because it was good two weeks ago in a tournament. It might not be good now. So because, you know, the meta is different. It is a deck that is not going to thrive, not designed to thrive in a meta that's not prepared for, as we spoke about before. So as I mentioned earlier, the term net decker or net deck has taken on a really different meaning today to what it had, you know, at its origin. It's no longer a sledge towards those who lose after copying a deck. Now it's a term used to describe those who win after copying a deck. So it's done like a full 180. And I find this this really, really interesting. And, and this is not uncommon as far as, you know, terms that are used uh, to describe, you know, things or people or, or what have you. You know, things can often take on different and opposite uh, connotations. And we won't get into that, but it's, uh, you know, we've all got examples we can think of. But what I found in, in my experience, and I'm, I'm absolutely 100% not trying to make a generalization here. This is this is my experience and the commonality between magic players who level these accusations. They often identify as players who use deck building as part of their self-expression and they pride themselves on discovering, you know, certain synergies and strategies all on their own. And for me personally, that type of discovery is something I love about magic. It's something that I, I thoroughly enjoy that discovery of a, of a format and uh, it is something that pulls me towards limited because drafting those uh, those synergies and, and seeing them them play out is great. Cube draft, I'm a massive, massive cube draft fan and that's what cube is all about. And cube is effectively, you know, cons- uh, limited commander and, and seven point Highlander, Australian seven point Highlander, my favorite format of all time where the scope for those interactions and discoveries pretty much infinite. Every time they print a new card, there might have been something lurking in the back of a commons box or, or in, a, in a binder somewhere that just became good. And I love that discovery. It's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, you don't mind losing to something cool that you've never seen before in, in one of those formats. And kudos to the person for, you know, making it work. And I absolutely love that about those uh, you know, either limited or those enormous infinite uh, card pool formats like Commander or Highlander, Cube Draft. So that, that's what pulls me towards that. But I don't think it's fair to put that expectation on Standard because when we sign up to, you know, play Standard, uh, we've got a small card pool where the mechanics and synergies are literally designed into the set. So when Wizards released release a set they know that card a is good with card b and we can discover that along the way but you know unless they've made a mistake and they realize that certain cards are too good which when you think about the sheer volume of cards that come out it's actually pretty rare probably not as rare as we would like we would like it to be like mythic level not rare level wizards but you know we do appreciate the work that you put in and yeah so i don't think it's a realistic standpoint that people can uh, choose to play a certain strategy uh, and be labelled as somehow worse at the game or paying to win. I, I think that's not only toxic, but just straight up incorrect. So if somebody is playing, you know, deck A or deck B or deck C, which is in our classic rock, paper, scissors, aggro, combo, control 
metagame, you know, trying to keep this evergreen. I'm not going to give specific deck examples. Uh, if, a, if a player is playing one of those decks, you know, they're the decks that are good. They're the decks. That's the format that was designed by the play design team, by Wizards, uh, for us to, to play. Those, those decks have been discovered, solved by everything that we've, uh, spoken about, this hive mind of, and flow of information. And, you know, if we choose to play standard, that's what we're signing up for. It's a small card pool, finite number of available mechanics and synergies. So you're likely to face those decks really regularly. They will be the tier decks and there'll be other decks that are functional and good against certain aspects of those other decks and, and what have you. But yeah, uh, so going back to the people that, you know, level those accusations, in my experience, and look, it can get frustrating when, you know, particularly towards the end of the format, when, you know, standard can get a bit stale. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about players that are losing consistently to those tier decks and leveling blame at the pilots. It's it's not the fault of the pilots. Um, it's, you're probably losing because, you know, you might be playing a weaker strategy. You might have just a poor matchup against it. Or, really importantly, you've failed to innovate and adapt to those decks, just like a net decker did in the mid-2000s, where they've just taken a deck and they've brought it to their local store and they've gotten crushed. You might have found something that you think is good, built the deck, and you've gotten crushed. That's not the fault of the player who's crushed you. It could be that your your deck's not up to scratch. It could be you just needs work. You need to iterate and innovate within your deck. You might have something that's that's good, uh, but it's not there yet. You know, the first draft of your deck, you can't expect to be as good as something that's had, you know, literally millions of brains behind it. So that's a, you know, you don't be unfair on yourself. It, but, you know, it's not another player's fault that the format was designed with, you know, powerful planeswalkers that you can ramp into a la Ugin or synergies with inherent card advantage uh, like adventures or, a, you know, overpowered mechanic that is, you know, just straight up better than the, you know, probably cool and unique one that you've discovered. Um, the players are playing cards that are available that are designed to be played together. And if you're not playing a deck with a good counterplay to that, then that's that's actually on you. You need to adapt your deck and fit to that ever-changing meta. Or simply, it could be acceptance that your pet homebrew deck just might not be on the same power level as those highly tuned decks. And, you know, you can still play it, you can still have fun, and you can still do your thing, and nobody's telling you that you shouldn't be doing that. I am in no way telling players that they should be playing one of these tier decks, but I'm saying don't get salty if you play against the tier decks. That's that's kind of the core of my message here. So... In the back of my mind right now, I can hear people on the internet bashing their keyboards, talking and, you know, screaming at me about how people at NetDeck are unoriginal and like the repetition is boring. But I'm talking about standard here. I'm talking about the frame, the limitations that is the, the standard meta where the card pool is limited to the legal sets. So the notion that, you know, people are... Uh, somehow have to continue to innovate in that note. It's a competitive format. They're going to play the decks that are good. And also, there's a side sidebar. It wouldn't be a Magic Beans podcast without Chewie going on a tangent here. The the notion that you're the only person to, to discover a synergy or a strategy out of the millions and millions of games that are played in a very short period of time, it's extremely unlikely. And, you know, I could probably find your deck or a version of it on the internet anyway, so everything's a net deck, right? So, yeah. So, 
Commander exists for the broader interactions and diversity, and that's a really popular format for that reason. Um, uh, but that's just not a design consideration in standard. Standard is a competitive format, and you know a lot of players will choose a deck based on win rate or matchups. And you know if a deck rises to the to the top of the pile, you'll see a deck that knocks that off going to the top of the pile and then so on and so forth and and you end up with this sort of cyclical thing and different decks are good on different you know weekends or different days so yeah so because of that because you know every deck is a net deck i honestly think as a magic community as magic players we should just retire that term i don't don't think we should use it anymore i don't think it's a valid term in the magic vernacular all decks can be found on the internet and the innovation knowledge sharing and the discussion the internet has fostered is far more valuable for, to the game's growth and longevity than the complaints of a, a few noisy people in the minority who are upset that their pet deck or homebrew isn't competitive and, you know, they've somehow weirdly chosen that as their hill to die on and, you know, that's where they're going to jump on their soapbox and, like, I don't think that's a good use of your energy. I think we should, you know, move past this and embrace the game for what it is. And honestly, sharing your innovations, your ideas, and actually joining in the discussion rather than being like stubbornly closed to others and their input and frustrated by your own results, that's far healthier for not only the game, but definitely yourself as well. So let's stop using that term. It's redundant now. Magic has evolved far beyond that. And we're, we're all net deckers. You cannot avoid it. Uh, if you play standard, your deck, you know, exists somewhere by somebody else. And if you are the first person to discover it, you've discovered it minutes before somebody else, not days, weeks, or months, minutes. And if you're the only person that you see playing it, it's probably because there's a better option and people are playing decks with a higher win rate. So maybe a bit of, a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow for some people, but that is a hundred percent what i believe so yeah tell us what you think uh jump onto the magic beans discord which is linked in the description here and yeah you can find us there uh we love a chat come and talk talk about standard with us talk about all the formats that you want to do you can also check us out on twitch on youtube on facebook just search up magic beans casts uh you can check out great deals on your sweet cards that you want to build your decks with at Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. Just go to jpmtgbazaar.com.au. You can follow us on Twitter at Magic Beans Cast. If you want to follow me personally, I am at ChewyMTG on Twitter. And thanks so much for listening to my little chat here on net decking. I hope you've enjoyed it and I'd love to continue the conversation, as I said, over on our Discord. Thanks very much, and we'll see you next time on the Magic Beans Podcast.